Welcome to this episode of The Goose Call. Today, we're going to follow up on Goose Talks, listen, learn, and launch a community feedback process that helps us best understand the needs of our giants and adjust based on the highest areas of concern. People just don't know all there is to know about Goose Creek schools. In this district, we grow giants. Welcome to The Goose Call. The juice of the goose. Today, we're going to discuss two concerns from Goose Talks, over-testing and student engagement in the classroom. We have with us Livia Callahan, our Director of Elementary Curriculum and Instruction, and Sarah Flushi, Associate Director of English, Language, Arts, and Library Programs. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So both of you were involved in the Goose Talks process where we created goals based on feedback. So let's start with testing in the classroom. Um, The goal for that is just to look at incorporating daily checks for understanding and look at how we can reduce the amount of assessments. So talk to us about what this means. I think for for us, uh, checks for understanding is pretty much the backbone of instruction. Sure. Because it gives us a lends to the teacher a lens of where the students are, where they are headed, or if they have any um, weaknesses they're able to address. And they can also address their strengths. I think when we were making sure that our students were tested or assessed, the goal was to make sure that our students stay, our, our teachers stay you know, in front of the students knowing their learning path. Sure. Uh, it's also an opportunity for teachers to create small groups. Mm -hmm. It's a time for them to, you know, change directions if they need to for instruction. Uh, It's also a time to motivate the student, you know, so uh, those checks for understanding are vital to instruction, especially for the teacher. So I don't know if you had anything you want to add. No, I totally agree. I think the shift is Um, It's going to be a really great thing um, as we're learning more about how to check for understanding in ways that are smaller, too. Sure. You know, a check for understanding can just be a post-it as a student is leaving the classroom. It can be something on an index card. It can be something they just say out loud. So as we acquaint ourselves better with the different ways we can check for understanding, I think it'll it'll be a, a good improvement for all of us. So that's a really good point. And let me ask you this, and this may be an assumption, um, but do you think that there is a greater emphasis on checking for understanding and assessing after COVID? Because we're kind of in this spot where we're trying to really learn about learning loss and where our kids are. And for me, you know, even without COVID, I think check for understanding is just a best, is best practice. Sure. But I also think that with COVID and the learning loss, it did, you know, the radar that just went off that, yes, yes, we need to do it more because we had students that did lose some mm-hmm. and we wanted to make sure that we were able to bring them up to speed. So I wouldn't totally equate it to just the COVID learning sure. loss. I think I would equate it to those are just best practices that we A need, shift to, in, mm-hmm, you that know, we need the to build system. up on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. When you know better, you do better, you know, and we know now that um, it's not enough to wait to the end of a unit to see what students did or didn't know. We need to know daily um, is our learning transferring to long term memory and checks for understanding. They let us do that. So you kind of answered this, um, but I want to expand on it. What do teachers do with the feedback? What's that process? How are we training them to to really utilize the feedback? The feedback from an assessment? Mm -hmm. 
so we have lots of ways that we're training. Uh, part of that is through our PLC processes and um, through our teaching and learning coaches. So our teaching and learning coaches, for example, tomorrow they'll be trained on our NWEA map growth, which is one type of assessment that we administer. And so then they take that learning back to teachers and make sure they know um, that we didn't just give a test, that we gave a test for a reason and sure. that the information that we get from that test can help drive our accelerations, it can drive our enrichments. Um, like Livia was saying, it can help drive our small groups. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking for opportunities to not just learn um, what a test is and why we give it, but also learn how we can use that data to drive student learning. So when you say acceleration and enrichment, you mean helping students who don't aren't quite there, don't quite master, you know, the concept, and then those who are there, how can they extend it? Is that what we mean? That's exactly right. Awesome. Yes. And I think also the feedback is provided as motivation, you know, and it provides clarity for the teacher as well as the student, because as a student, you know, did I say, for example, it was a math problem or whatever, you know, what part of the math problem did I miss as sure. a teacher? student missed this part because what did they forget to do? So I think it's also one of those, you know, it's, to me, feedback is always reflection, both on the ends of the student as well as the teacher. Yeah, feedback is hands down. It's a two-way street, <coughs> you know, and as much as we want to think that we are giving students feedback to, to grow them, they're giving us feedback in that process that lets us know how our instruction can adapt I love that, to make yeah. sure that we're really supporting them. And when you think about something um, like the universal screener, it's going to tell us baseline data where the student is. It's going to have what's known as an academic growth projection. It's going to tell us where a student should be. It's going to tell us why they're performing the way that they are. So all of that data is just really important in, in determining our next steps. Awesome. So let me ask you this. Um, with the feedback from Goose Talks, are we making, and you kind of answered it, but I just want to make sure it's very clear to our listeners, um, are we addressing the concern with overtesting in the classroom? I think we are. And I think if you if you don't look at it as overtesting sure. and you look at it as I'm checking for understanding, right. then I think the context changes. Of course. So it's, yeah. you know, testing is always one of those buzzwords. Oh, we're testing, we're testing, we're testing. Yeah. Well, no, we're actually checking for understanding because we don't want to keep pouring into a student something that they already know. We sure. want to enrich or accelerate, but we don't want to, you know, keep going down the same path. And it's like, oh, oh, I got it. I got it. I yeah. know what I'm supposed to do. So I think when you use the word testing, that's where the connotation comes in. Of we're course. just testing, 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 but we're not. We're actually checking for understanding. And as Sarah mentioned, you know, two questions ago, it's those small increments that gets us to where we need to sure. go. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. And, um, you know, I, I, we also don't want to marginalize feedback. It's really important that people know that they do have a voice, they are being heard. And so in addition to trying to kind of shift the perception around assessments, we're also making sure we are collaborating with those other departments. Sure. We're reaching out to our friends in the bilingual department, to our friends in the special education department. We're making sure that our assessment timelines aren't stepping on each other's toes because perception is reality. Yeah. And if, if people are saying it feels like we're losing too much instructional time to testing, we want to respect that as well. And so we are trying to make adjustments. Com we've combined some assessments in places where we could move them so that there isn't the overlap that was occurring last semester. We're hoping that we 
we get good feedback and we are going to continue to check every nine weeks. Yeah. And I didn't think about that. You know, if, if science is worried about science and kids learning science, they're not, they're going to assess on their timeline. And so, you know, same thing with you. That's a really good point. So that's great to hear. Awesome. Save money with a Community Resource Credit Union mortgage refinance. Whether you're looking to save money monthly with a lower rate, need cash from the equity of your home, or found your supersized dream home, CRCU has the mortgage tailored for your needs. Home of the best rate guarantee and no lender fees. Go to crcu.org slash mortgage refi to apply today. Okay, so let's shift into student engagement. So the goal is just the improved Uh, teacher and student relationships, and essentially just a positive culture in the classroom where students are challenged and empowered to learn. So we have a lot of different things that we do in this goal, but, um, you know, we're definitely going to lean on AVID strategies and the relationship piece and what we can do to build that culture in the classroom. So let's start with what is AVID and how do we use the AVID system? Sure. So um, AVID is I mean, at its basic self, it is a class that students can take for multiple years. Uh, They receive an elective credit for this class, but it's really a lot more than that. It's it's exactly what you said. It is a system, Mm -hmm. and um, specifically, it's a college preparatory system. And the goal of AVID is to empower students with the skills and the knowledge that they need to not just graduate from high school, but to go on to a four-year college and to graduate from there as well. And so the system is built around what we call Wicker, and um, we know that if we infuse those Wicker strategies, writing, inquiry, collaboration, organization, reading, if we infuse those into our classroom and campus culture, students are going to be more likely to thrive. So that's kind of the heartbeat of AVID. Sarah, I love that answer. You know, AVID is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> you so, and me both. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I think the, the thing that we talk to coordinators about when we're talking about AVID school-wide is really just every lesson should incorporate a lot of different strategies. And I think... When I work with AVID, that's the biggest comparison from, you know, my personal experience in education and probably, you know, a lot of our, you know, parent listeners is that, you know, a lot of different classes had one way to learn and that doesn't always meet the needs of, of all of our students. So I think just you know, really pulling in lots of different methods to, to learn and taking that information is, is a way to build a collaborative, positive classroom. So, um. Talk about what is, what do we talk to our teachers about the best way to build relationships and making sure that students feel safe in the learning environment in school? I think one of the things is, you know, that's even as a teacher to a principal or staff is build a relationship. Mm -hmm. So you definitely have to build a relationship with students to have that positive classroom. You also have to have, you know, practices and systems in place as it relates to behavior, Um, I think the other thing that you will want to have in place is, you know, strong instructional practices Mm -hmm. because you want students to feel safe and you want them to know if you make a mistake, it is okay because that's how we've built our classroom culture. So I think it's, you know, having systems processes, behavior, the instructional uh, parts, and then building a relationship where students know that they can trust you. I uh, heard someone say, and, and I, it stuck with me for years, is, you know, a classroom with high rigor and no relationships, zero learning, right? And then a classroom with great relationships, you know, favorite teacher, all of that, but no rigor, same thing. Like, there's such a fine balance exactly. in making sure that, you know, and when you talk about your favorite teacher, it's always it's never the, the teacher that you liked the most, that you enjoyed going to that class. It's the one that pushed your thought process forward, that kind of thing. So 
I think it's just such a fine line. It's hard to do. Like you got 27 students in a classroom, you know, it's just, it's hard to do. Talk to us about some training that we've done for our teachers just this year uh, to kind of help with that. So we have our district PLC days, and in those days, we definitely are infusing strategies. Um, In the ELA department, which I can speak for well, uh, we are using AVID strategies in particular Mm -hmm. uh, to try and do this, what you just said. We are trying to build relationships. We're trying to build a collaborative classroom environment, but we can't can't look away from the reality that the learning is what matters most. And so we're looking for those strategies that help to really propel that learning. There's a strategy we're leaning on a lot right now called parallel annotation. And it acknowledges that all not all students are ready to analyze literature that they're sure. reading. And so it helps to scaffold them there. And that really promotes engagement because it does what we, we always talk about, which is it allows an entry point for all learners. So if you're not ready to analyze, then you can identify and explain, and then we can push the cognitive level further beyond that. Um, so that's what we, we, we look for. Um, we're also training people outside of the district PLC days. We've got our summer exchange days. We had giant con, which was fantastic. Right. I think it's going to be even better next year because I think people see now the real potential in that sure. giant con. So we're, um, you know, implementing strategies there. Do you have anything else about that? Yeah, I think you, you pretty much touched on it. It's, you know, we do a lot, especially with our PLCs and then our, having our TLCs on Fridays. We really try to front load them with information to go out and, you know, to help their teachers in their campus. So um, engagement is a huge piece, and whenever we're talking about engagement, we always want to make sure that, you know, it's not just being compliant, Sure. you know, because we can sit and look like we're totally engaged, but we want to make sure that we are strategic in our engagement. So the strategies that's offered through, you know, TLCs and the PLCs yeah. is, is just that. Controlled chaos, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I love the noise. And it's a hard, you know, that's a hard <laughs> shift to make in a classroom because you feel like as the you know, teacher, you feel like, okay, this is wild. This is, mm-hmm. but as long as learning's happening, that's a huge shift in education. Like there was very little chaos when, when I was in classrooms, you know. Same. Yeah. Student discourse is so important because you learn from each 100%. other. 100%. That's right. And yeah. so that's why the student talk is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah, and we also have instructional rounds. Through instructional rounds, several campuses have chosen talk and engagement as part of their problem of practice. Mm-hmm. And it's been great seeing teachers get good at what we call talk moves, mm-hmm. you know, because you're always going to have that student that wants to answer all the questions. And so what can you do to, uh, one, validate that student and to make sure they see, they are seen because sure. that matters to the child, but then pivot and let the other kids in the room. So you'll say, wow, that's a great answer. Can someone tell me why she might think that? Yeah. Those little moves yeah. are, are embedded throughout um, our curriculum and our trainings to try to empower teachers so that they're ready for those moments when not everybody is participating. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Really quick. What is the strategy? Pick one that's the most fun in a classroom, in your opinion. There's an exhaustive list sure. <laughs> of engagement strategies. So I can't say I can just pick one, but you know, even for me, when I'm providing training or if I'm looking in the classroom to me the best engagement strategy is just seeing those kids light up because they were engaged in something that they actually learned from yeah so um, I probably could and I'm pretty sure Sarah has a has a list as well that she can compound but I think it's overall it's just making sure those kids are strategically engaged and not yeah. just complying yeah yeah I think one of my favorites to um 
to use in the classroom and one of my favorites to watch when I go into classrooms is always going to be the Socratic seminar. It's a kind of a, a backbone of the AVID process, you know, mm-hmm. is this dialogical experience with students. And it's, if you do it well, it looks easy, mm-hmm. but it is not, you know, the truth is you have to teach students accountable talk, how to make eye contact. Yeah. You have to teach students that you're not just waiting for the next person to stop talking so you can say your idea. You should be listening to sure. them genuinely and then building on their ideas. And that's hard. You know, yeah. that's really tough, when, especially when people are nervous and all they're thinking is like, oh, I don't want to look silly in front of my peers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes time. And yeah. so, but I love Socratic Seminar. I think it creates a great culture. And, um, and if you do it well, you know, it can really yield some great conversations. I mean, the conversations will go places you never even thought of. You well, know? and you know, when we're talking about you know, life learning, like the ability to have a honest conversation and, you know, listen and build upon like that's workplace skills, you know, those kind of things are, I I love those strategies too. Well, I think we could talk about this all day, but, Mm -hmm. but thank you guys so much, uh, Livia, Sarah, for helping us solve issues in our school district and sharing your work with Goose Talks. We really appreciate you being on today. Thanks for having us anytime. Yes. Awesome. Hey, don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Community Resource Credit Union, for sponsoring this episode of The Goose Call, and thank you for listening.